This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 411. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined by co-host, Jacob Paulson. Thanks for having me, Riley. Hey, you know, it's about time we get you back. You've been slacking off, brother. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, it's been kind of an interesting time, you know. Uh, I think that you've missed a couple of episodes because you were, you're, you were doing what you're doing right now, which is holding down the fort at the uh, warehouse as we are operating with a bit of a skeleton crew. So and I've, I've done, done my turns there a little bit as well. But uh, you know what? The show must go on. The podcast must happen. And so here we are with another episode. Seven telltale moves that give away your gun. And uh, today's episode is brought to you by CCW Safe. We are proud of our partnership with CCW Safe and that they're a sponsor of the podcast. And in fact, we're also happy to announce a special new discount for podcast listeners only. Uh, that is 10% off CCW Safe, a new membership. Join up today, ccwsafe.com, and use the coupon code CCPODCAST. One word, CC for concealed carry, CCPODCAST. That's the coupon code. That'll save you 10%, which is not insignificant on a membership from CCW Safe. Yeah, I, I love saving money. I'm a huge fan. And it's funny because insurance is one of those things where you spend money to save money, right? So even if you paid full price, it'd be well worth it because dropping a couple hundred bucks a year is really a great deal when they'll drop a couple million dollars on your behalf should you need them. Yep, that's right. And we're big fans and uh, we recognize the good work that they do uh, for, for their members. You know, and of course, we had Stephen Maddox on the podcast, uh, I don't know, probably 40, 40 episodes or so ago. Uh, just a crazy story and everything that he went through and just a remarkable job CCW Safe did to defend one of their own. Today's podcast is also sponsored and brought to you by the EDC Belt Company's Foundation Belt. Brand new here on the podcast, officially mentioned here in the sponsor slot. And in fact, this comes with an exciting announcement because we actually have them in stock in the warehouse right now as we speak. Jacob's looking at them on the shelf. Uh, we've got the foundation belt, which is my belt of choice. I'm wearing it right now. It, it has not come off these pants, this very same pair of pants for months. Okay. All right. All right. That's I awkward. <laughs> I, no, I use the same belt every day, and uh, I've been very pleased with the performance of the foundation belt. Uh, it's rigid where it needs to be. It's not where it doesn't need to be. It does the job of a good quality gun belt at not a very bad, you know, it's, it's a great price. It's very affordably priced. Foundation belt can be found at concealedcarry.com forward slash foundation. And there's, what, 10 or 11 sizes to choose from? 11. 11 sizes. Sizes, I think, 32 through 50. Yep. So, guys, pick up the foundation belt today. I'm smiling because I'm seeing the comments coming in about my pants comment. <laughs> pick up the foundation belt today. All right. ConcealedCarry.com forward slash foundation. 
Well, we determined today's topic, Jacob, uh, after talking with you, and it was actually your idea. You proposed it. It's a good one. Seven telltale moves that give away the fact that you're carrying a gun. So we uh, we, we listed these out and kind of, you know, came up with, I think, clever sounding, catchy little, you know, one or two word names. Some of them were kind of fun. To, to be clear, these are, these are uh, moves that, give away the gun in a very literal sense. Like someone will right. see the gun, not things that like make you seem suspicious. Like it's, it's more like physical, like, Hey, look, there's a gun. Well, well, well you, you may or may not see, I mean, but, but yeah, that, that is a big one, right? Cause we're going to start right off with our first one, which is known as the reach. And the reach is, well, what it sounds like. You're reaching, like, so you, let's just imagine this. Paint this picture in your mind. You're at the grocery store, and you're Jacob Paulson, because you're only five foot two, and <laughs> he actually looks a lot taller than that in uh, in the video right now, uh, from this perspective, but uh, you're shopping, you're going down the aisle, and you need to grab that thing on the top shelf, and so Jacob has to reach all the way up there, because it's a long ways up for the little guy, <laughs> and Bam, there's his gun. So that's the first telltale move that will give away your gun. Uh, and quite literally, like what Jacob was saying. So, And I've, I've actually witnessed this personally. I saw this in a Walmart once where a guy was doing just that, reaching up. He wasn't actually even reaching all that high. It's just that where he was carrying, the way he was carrying and, and the length of his shirt, Bam, just gave it away just like that. And this can also happen too if you're carrying outside waistband, but underneath a coat or a jacket. That same coat or jacket can also slide up and expose. Maybe, maybe it's only going to expose the bottom of the holster or something, but that's enough to go, ah, there's the gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might expose the clip, you know, or clips or loops that you're using. But yeah, that, that reach doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't have to be very much sometimes. And obviously, the longer the shirt, uh, the less likely you have that that chance, which is why a lot of shirts that are kind of marketed and sold as concealed carry shirts tend to ride longer um, than than normal for that purpose, right? So that if you're reaching or stretching or whatever, it's not going to be as big of an issue. I was invited to be an expert witness in a trial uh, ye, probably two plus years ago now where a guy got into an animated conversation on the side of the road with another uh with some, with another driver, and in his animation of waving his hands around, uh, the, you know, it, it became the reach, right? And the shirt creeped up, crept up, and and it caused legal issues for this man. You know, he was charged with felony menacing. So yeah, the reach. Yeah, some of those. I mean, to be clear, like sometimes some of those cases get blown out of proportion, but sure. that's that's a risk we run. When when a gun comes into the equation of a particularly a situation where it shouldn't necessarily be involved yet, right? Because that the the perception that uh, that your opposing party might have, uh, you, you don't know where where they're coming from. You don't know what they know or what their perspective is, and so people are just going to flip out at the side of a gun, and they're going to blow everything out of proportion, right? Or or they're going to flat out lie and. and as far as like what you did or what you uh, motioned or or how you might have used that gun, and in reality, it stayed in the holster or whatever the whole time. But you know, the fact is, you get caught or pulled over and found with a gun, and makes their their story not seem all that far fetched. Yeah, which is right. basically what happened in that case. Yeah. So what do, what do we do about the reach, Riley? What are what are you know the alternatives to fixing the problem? 
Uh, well, that's a good question. You could grow a few inches, so you're yeah. more like me. Bigger <laughs> shoes. Lots of steak and potatoes. <laughs> Just teasing. Uh, you know, I mean, so that's a that's a tough one, right? Uh, because you you may need that item. I guess you could ask for help. I, I'm a bit of a proud fellow. You know, it's hard for me to, especially to, if if it's something that I know I can reach. Like I would never. The, the fact is, what I'm suggesting here, I would never do. I would never be like, "Sir, can you please help me get that thing that's just above my eye line?" <laughs> um, I think you know it, it would be about uh, playing it, playing it cool, and and, and looking for the right opportunity uh, to do that, or carry your gun in such a way or manner where uh, you know you're not going to have that issue because you know where you place on the waistline, uh, what you wear, uh, all of those are factors, are decisions that go into your concealed carry strategy for the day and you know planning ahead is never a bad idea to go i'm doing this today like like today i was i knew i was gonna do the podcast so i, I had to wear this shirt because I, I like this shirt <laughs> oh okay. just kidding that's great planning <laughs> this shirt has little 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 uh folding knives on it it's kind of fun I like it. All right. So anyway, so you, you see, you see what I'm getting at, though. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah, yeah. No, I did. that's all valid. You Plan can just, ahead. You can just not reach, right? Uh, or you can wear a longer shirt or whatever. Uh, or, you, or you, or, or you, or you scope someone. things out and go. Coast is clear, and do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can but just be smart about it. You can kind of uh, almost hold the shirt down with the other hand. You're not reaching with. Uh, to try and kind of keep it covered, but that's going to look kind of awkward as well. I mean, probably better than a gun being exposed, but it's like, why are they holding that shirt? That's weird. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you just, I think the, the key with all of these telltale signs is just being aware of them so you can right. know when it's about to happen. Oh, if I reach for that, I'm going to expose my gun. Then just make, you know, good big boy decisions. Be careful about reaching. Mm-hmm. So be, be be aware, be careful. Yeah. The reach. The reach. All right. What's next? All right. Number two. I'm going to make you say it. <laughs> okay. Riley's really was nervous about this, but we couldn't think of a better thing to describe it. The bend over. Yeah. The bend over is bad. It is because, what it is. Yeah. You, it's what happens when you bend over. And this is uh, something that's particularly prone to people who carry, you know, between strong side and kind of small back, you know, so uh, for a right-handed person, that's, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock position. And you bend over, drop keys, drop phone, pick up money on street. I don't know. For whatever reason, you're, you're bending over. And, you know, that gun can be pretty darn concealed when you're standing straight up. But that second you bend over, it's like, boop, out pops the grip of a yep. gun. And it's if even if the shirt doesn't ride up over the top of it, it's still a very obvious weird thing sticking out of your pants. And so, yeah, the bend over is definitely going to expose that gun. Bend so bending at the waist, right? Bending down to reach something, pick something up, whatever. Uh, or in this case, now this is a. I, I was teasing you about your height and having to reach for things on the high shelves. For me, reaching the things on the low shelves is more challenging than I'd like it to be sometimes. <laughs> so uh, bending down uh, is either going to, particularly if you carry behind the hip at all but even at three o'clock right where you've got that get that grip and gip that grip kind of sticking out towards your back uh anytime we start bending at the waist that's a prime opportunity for exposing the grip uh exposing the gun itself the holster sometimes uh printing okay so actually uh, you know so this, this can go a variety of ways where you're gonna you're gonna 
make printing worse than it normal, normally otherwise would be, or you're going to actually visually expose the gun. So both those can be problems. Now, by the way, I'm going to back up just a little bit and just address the fact that some of you are probably listening and be like, well, why am I so concerned about whether I print or or my gun's revealed or whatever? Like, like you know, it's not that big a deal. People don't notice anyway, et cetera, et cetera. You sometimes hear some of those things mentioned. Well, we're we're big fans here. This has been a position of ours for a long time on the podcast that if you're going to carry concealed, then you should carry concealed. Uh, and I do believe that concealed is the best tactic. It is a tactic. It's a form of a tactic, right? You're concealing what you have. You're concealing your abilities. You're concealing what you're carrying as far as your weapon. You're concealing even so, a lot of times what you're doing at that moment that you're going to actually draw that gun because it may not be noticed what you're doing until the gun is actually out and in their face. So concealment is a tactic and it's a very critical one. All right, because it, it can be the it can be the difference between life or death potentially for for some of you, and depending on the place and circumstance, maybe mm-hmm. it's also a legal concern. Absolutely, you, know, you may you may might be somewhere where you're required to conceal, where the failure to conceal open carry is not legal, and so yeah, that that's going to vary from place to place. Even here, even within a given state here in Colorado, for example, it's going to vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction or sometimes within a, even a specific type of building. So, yeah, we're talking about doing our yep. best. If we're going to set out to conceal a gun, we should do our best to conceal it properly, both due to the, the tactics, the decision you must have made if you set out to conceal it to begin with, and potential legal repercussion. Yep. Well, I mean, we just had a, a gentleman the other day here in Denver, uh, who was in the city of Denver, in the city of Denver, unfortunate though it may be, because the whole state of Colorado is an open carry state, but there's a silly state Supreme Court ruling that made it possible for Denver to become a, 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 or to have or implement an open carry prohibition. And there was a man arrested just uh, Sunday for carrying openly in the city of Denver. So it's a very real concern, depending on where you are, where your jurisdiction is. So I know I realize that for many of you, that's a, a non-issue, but uh, all right. So I, I wanted to get that out of the way, but 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 to your, to your point, Jacob, depending on where you are, can and should be a consideration in what we do and how we handle ourselves. For instance, I was doing a little research as we were preparing for this episode, uh, and I was like, well, I wonder what, other people have written or said about uh, printing or uh, moves or different things that people do that, that might give away uh, that they're carrying a gun. And I stumbled upon an article on a website called campussafetymagazine.com. And you can tell just reading anything on this site that it's it's a pretty anti-gun, like they're definitely not pro-carry on campus, Right. They are, they, they are, yeah, because actually the, the, the word they use, the word they use to describe someone who's carrying a gun on campus is violator. <laughs> so I'm like, I wonder what these guys have to say about, you know, this subject. Uh, and so they have seven things listed about, and the title of the article is Seven Signs a Weapon is Being Concealed That You Should Know. So the whole intent of this article is to educate students and teachers on campuses that this is what you should be looking for to identify someone who is a violator carrying a gun on campus. 
Wow. And, and some of the things we're talking about today are actually included in this article. Some of them are kind of silly and and like are you can tell this is definitely not a gun person writing the article. Uh, some of these are kind of pointless, but uh, the, I, so I don't need to go into what all these are. The point is that there are people out there that are actually putting an effort to educate non-gun people, anti-gunners. This is what to look for, right? So that's a, also another thing to be aware of and to consider. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of get that kind of that that, that contextual piece uh, out there as well as we continue our, our with our list here. So the bend over, yeah, you got to watch that one. So Strategies, the, Jacob, for uh, yep, handling well, it. That's where I was going. So uh, I, I I teach what I call the pregnant the pregnant woman move, and uh, the, <laughs> I don't know if I'd go. With, I don't know if I'd go with that one, bro. That's what I call it. My wife might not appreciate that. You know, pregnant women got this down because bending over for them, like just like bending at the waistline in a forward bend, is is very difficult when you're carrying, you know, a child. So the pregnant women have learned you can't do that. You have to bend at the knees and keep a straight back uh, when you when they bend over. You know, so it's kind of like this vertical, like, dip kind of looking thing. And uh, that can be done poorly, uh, and we'll talk about the squat here in a minute. But but in the bend, o- you know, the bend over scenario, when I drop my keys or my phone or something, I'm going to attempt to keep my, my, my back straight and bend with my knees. And it looks a little bit goofy, maybe, but not enough to draw much attention and way better than a gun getting, you know, pop, popping out of my back. So, uh, I was going to, she'll I was, accept it. I was going <laughs> to, I was going to, uh, comment that I, I think that move could almost be its own tell in a way if somebody really knew what they're looking for. But it's about the better of two options, right? You, so, well, how about this one? I carry appendix. So, bending over as far as exposing the gun really is, that's like, Sure. That's Definitely one thing that is a yeah. non-issue. I'm carrying the gun in front of me. I'm bending over there, so it's not going to be exposed. It's not going to print or anything. Sure. I'm actually I'm actually creating more, you know, uh, hang over the shirt and stuff as I'm doing that. The the downside of you know people will say, well, but isn't it uncomfortable to bend over? Well, yeah, there's there's a little increased pressure, uh, but I can actually bend over and reach my toes, uh, even as chubby you, as I am, without bending your knees. Without bending my knees, yes. That's impressive, dude. Yes. Now, now I can't. Man? I can't. I can't hold it for that long. But that's you know. But I know that I can do it just long enough to reach down, pick up my phone that I just dropped on the ground. Fair enough. Yep. So, so that's a, that's a valid solution, right? Carrying the yes. carry appendix. The the bend over is really symptomatic for someone who's carrying you know really about four or five six o'clock. Now to Elkie's uh, point here in the comments, he says bending the knees is the more correct posture, anyways, and I have to agree with that. As a man that has worked in the labor field, you know, doing construction work and stuff like I have, and the back has taken a toll, although it's been healthier in recent years since I haven't been doing that kind of work <laughs> in a few years. <laughs> so anyway. Casey, though she's okay with the pregnancy move, she says we might consider calling it the weightlifter's squat. I think that is probably a more apt name anyway. Whatever. <laughs> Less... Um, well, anyway, I won't go there. All right. <clears throat> We're going to cut you some slack. Next one here, we have the squat. And I think the bend over naturally leads into the squat because an alternative would be, you know, and, this, and this is kind of where you were going, is you can do kind of the, this weightlifters move where you're more or less keeping the back straight, bending the knees, uh, and going down that way. But what, what I'm referring to when I say the squat 
is it's also kind of similar to the bend over. It's just something, you know, we bring it up. It's, it is its own thing to make you aware of that this can be an issue as well. And, and the squat specifically is that you do bend your knees, you do get down, but then you kind of also are leaning forward. So it's kind of, you know, that's, that's like what a squat, a traditional squat is. Uh, if you look at uh, some lesser developed countries and stuff where they tend to actually sit like that on their hunches, so to speak, a little bit more commonly because that's just, you know, that's, that's their world and that's their culture or whatever. Um, then, you know, that's, that's what we're referring to that kind of getting down there and squatting that again can, particularly if you carry on the waist or excuse me, on the hips or behind the hips, that can be a, a greater risk for exposing the gun. Yeah, like the visual for me is either like Gollum for you nerdy types or like Plumber's Crack for you non-nerdy types. We could have just called it the Gollum. <laughs> the Gollum. Yeah, like this like deep squat, like bent over, like total exposure thing. Now, Plumber's Crack I have issue with because I, I don't know if I've ever seen a plumber. Hold on, pause. Like, just to make it clear, <laughs> to quote Riley, Riley said he has an issue with Plumber's Crack. We get it, Riley. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a true blooded plumber like squat like a true squat now what 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 they're accustomed to <clears throat> i've worked with a lot of plumbers over the years client they're it's it's climbing in underneath that sink and they're so they're kind of on their hands and knees and the shirt comes up over you know that's 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 what exposes okay. the crack we'll call it the golem we'll stick and, with golem and that will also expose the gun that is for sure <laughs> All right, so we're having a fun one with this one today. We told you it'd be a fun episode. Here's one, the clothing check. And, and Jacob, you initially described this as the pull the shirt down or something to that effect. Yeah, but it, looks, it looks like this. You know, and for those who don't have video, Riley, you can describe it. So Jacob is standing all five feet, two inches of him. <laughs> okay, he's what, five eight, five nine, and and so it's it's like this is something that is more common when someone gets up, like they 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 stand up from when they were seated, uh, and they recognize that well maybe the shirt got hung up somewhere or something feels a little bit odd, and so you're grabbing the shirt like he is here, and you're just sort of like flicking it over top of the gun, uh, and, and that that one thing right there can be, I mean it's not totally out there because you definitely will see people do this naturally sometimes anyway like when they i don't know a guy that's like or gal that's getting ready to you know like i don't know go out on a date or somebody or meet somebody and they're like checking themselves in the mirror making sure they look good sort of thing you know and making sure the clothes look right and are straight and all that stuff but this is you know the clothing and by that by the way jacob is focused more on the shirt thing I'm thinking of this. I, I t- decided to call this the clothing check because this is really anytime you are adjusting clothing for purposes of adjusting or making sure the gun's covered. And so just be cautious and be aware of what you're doing as you're making some of those moves. I have kind of learned that when I get down out of, down out of my, my pickup truck, which is, you know, a real man's truck compared to Jacob's taco. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, getting down from that thing that sits way up there in the clouds, uh, not really, but uh, uh, that, that I, I sometimes need to do a little bit of a, an adjustment to, or, you know, or else I'm going to have other issues uh, because, you know, getting down like that, maybe the shirt or something gets hung up somewhere. And so I've I've just learned very subtly that while I'm still kind of stand there in the open door of the vehicle, uh, and I've got some cover that I just very 
slyly, very carefully reach up and do a quick little flick of the shirt sort of thing, but not drawing any attention. And I'm doing that as I'm standing there kind of again in the V of the door of the truck, uh, where it's not really going to draw a lot of attention. So that's kind of my strategy for one way I do kind of a clothing check, make sure everything is concealed the way it needs to be. And, you know, use, use to your advantage the fact that you've got kind of that cover of the vehicle to do so. Yeah, it, this is an interesting one because of all the ones we're talking about today, the clothing check is almost a necessity, right, in, in some circumstances. I mean, if I don't smooth out the shirt or do whatever other thing I need to do to adjust the clothing, then I am increasing the odds of someone, you know, seeing that the gun is printing or whatever it might be. Um, it, it just happens that sometimes you do need to smooth out the, cl- the clothing, right, or whatever clothing check is necessary to do that. So I think it's it's really about how you do it. You know, trying to not make a big deal of it, try not to do it unnecessarily when you don't need to do it. Uh, certainly I see that a lot. I'll see people who are just constantly, cha- you know, re, re-smoothing out that shirt. And it's like, it's, you just did that like two seconds ago. It's fine. Um, I think it's also about how you do it. Like if you do it in a really big manner, you sometimes flash the gun while you're attempting to hide the gun. Uh, so I think that's, that's, a, that's a factor. So I, I think, yeah, it, how you described how you kind of very, in your words, slyly, slyly, because I'm with, Riley with, with slyness. Um, while you're, you know, you you do it kind of before you exit the vehicle, you know, kind of a final way before people are really going to see you. You know, that, that's the point is that if you have to do a clothing adjustment and do it, you know, practice and 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 build a habit of doing it in a way that's that's minor, that's that doesn't that's not more movement than is necessary to achieve the purpose, and don't do it when you don't need to do it. You know, don't make it a twitch. Uh, here's the thing. I mean, I think the the more motion there is, or the more, because because you know our eyes, human eyes are really good. Well, really, any creature's eyes, uh, particularly ones that are concerned about being eaten by things, uh, you know, our eyes are really good at picking up uh, quick motion, right? Because uh, it'll recognize that that motion or large motions, and so. The, the less movement there can be and the less fast it can be. So just nonchalant, but very, you know, minimal. And also trying to avoid doing the whole two-handed thing. Because again, that's bigger, broader movement. So when Jacob was demonstrating this, he was standing there and he was kind of using both hands, picking up the shirt and, you know, doing his thing, doing his adjustment. Uh, I, I, when I do this, and sometimes I'll pair it with doing something else. So, you know, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I had to make a quick little adjustment and I'm in the grocery store or something. And as I'm actually reaching up to a shelf and grasping something, my, my two little, my finger and my thumb might come up, pinch the shirt and just make a, make just the slightest little bit of an adjustment or something, you know, where someone's eyes are more likely to be focused is the bigger, faster movement that I'm doing as I'm, you know, I'm basically creating my own distraction. John makes a nice comment here. He mentions that some clothing is less prone to the necessity of these kinds of adjustments too. And I think that's, that's a really valid point. I'm glad that I, yes. I, I'm glad you brought it up, John, because we might've forgotten to say that, but you know, the, certainly the type of material um, that you have, like, you know, thinking for me about the shirt adjustment, smoothing out the shirt, it's kind of ridden up and it's showing, you know, the, the gun, you know, if, if the shirt was not made out of hundred percent cotton, if it was a different material and sometimes you, you can, you can buy concealed carry shirts that almost are like reinforced in the bottom 10 inches of the shirt. So as to prevent this from happening. Well, um, more more structured fabric, more sure. structured clothing is what's, you know, because it doesn't bend as easily, so it's going to drape a little bit easier. And, you know, actually, uh, I'm reminded of the Concealed Carry Instructor course that I did with Jeff Gonzalez, and he actually spends a, a section of that course talking about this. 
And he said that one of the things that opened his eyes, and I'll just throw this out there. I'm not going to go into the great detail. I'm just going to throw this out there that he had conversations one time with a uh, a designer, you know, like a clothing designer, and just talked to her about uh, how they used clothing. And I don't remember how the conversation began, but it was sort of like he had this aha moment like, oh, wait a minute. A lot of the things that you're trying to hide as a clothing designer, you know, the bumps, the curves, the less flattering parts of, of a lot of our bodies, a lot of the ways and techniques and strategies you're using in the fabric you're choosing in the design of that is it's we like we're like two you know two worlds coming together here that we can use some of the same strategies uh, in the concealed carry world as well. So and one thing that I remember standing out from that it was just more structure kind of a not it doesn't always necessarily have to be a heavier fabric, but heavier frequently does you know lend itself to having more structure. Uh, but of course you know darker colors. Uh, uh, busier patterns if we want to you know can sometimes those can work against us though too so it's it's all about the right uh uh you got to make the right you know busy pattern choice there but anyway just i thought i'd throw that out there because you you brought it up although i thought you were going to highlight the comment that someone said about me you know not stepping out of the truck as opposed to rolling out of the truck and that's a fair point too (laughs) sure more importantly my truck is a truck bro <laughs> All right. So, uh next up, the pull-up. The pull-up. What is the that? Pull-up. So, the pull-up is generally a symptom of a belt not being tight enough or a a crappy belt. But generally the pull-up comes from the the weight of the gun causing it to sag the pants down wherever it may be and this you know regardless of carry position. And so what happens is a person starts to feel like it's it's the the right height of the gun is is coming down or the or that the pants are coming down or that it's sagging in whatever way. And so the adjustment is made to just kind of reach down and kind of grab it and just pull it up. You know, think like, you know, gangster teenager whose pants are falling down and constantly <laughs> reaching down, grabbing the pants and pulling them back on. That's basically what it looks like, but it that they're doing it because the weight of the gun is dragging down the pants in that particular spot. Yeah, just cinch your belt up, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is definitely something that that I, I've seen. I've seen Jacob do this. Oh heck, I've done it, but I but I do it. And for me, it's not so much my like. I wear a foundation belt, right? The foundation belt is perfect for preventing sag, particularly when I'm carrying the appendix position. Um, but there's just times throughout the day that you get up, you get down, you get up, and you're know, like, "What well, I'm working on the warehouse, Jacob," and you're sitting down at the computer and you're printing off, you know, shipping labels, and then you're up and you're grabbing product, and then you're packaging that product, and you're back down, and you're back up, and you're climbing up the ladder up to the tall shelves there, and you're back down, like stuff just starts to move. So uh, that's just the nature of of being active while carrying a gun sometimes. Uh, but I will say a couple things that having the belt cinched a little tighter sometimes uh, is is going to help with that, but obviously tighter can be less comfortable. I have learned that over time, I've actually developed a tolerance to be to my t- belt being tighter because I've just I've just sort of worked up to that, and that helps greatly in preventing uh, the the need to adjust the belt and the belt line because the equipment is starting to sag. Yeah, I, I also think there's something to be said about the belt, and and you know I, I'm testing different belts all the time just by nature mm-hmm. of, of the business. But having a belt that you can make quick adjustments to 
is really nice. So a lot of belts, you know, you basically have to remove the belt to, to make it longer or shorter uh, based on the way the buckle is set. But if you're, if I, I really prefer a belt that I can quickly make a little tighter and I, you know, based on the activity I'm engaged in, and then I can sit down and say, you know, I'm going to make it a little bit looser now based on, cause I'm just sitting. So I think that there's something to be said too about the belt itself. One of the sponsors today is the foundation belt. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I know you are too, the foundation belt. And it's really easy to quickly adjust. And it, it's, it's the closest thing to like a low profile, but functional gun belt as you can get, right? It's, it's stiff enough where it needs to be stiff to, to hold up the weight, which is really critical. Uh, Cause I think another reason sometimes people have an issue with the pull up is because they're wearing crappy belts. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, but it's also very low profile because I think a challenge that you have is if you have a really big, thick, stiff belt, then it's it, it you know the belt is is basically having a hard time being concealed, uh, let alone you know what it's what it's not doing to conceal the gun. Yep, yep, I, I'm with you there. And again, one of the reasons I I appreciate the foundation belt so much is because it is stiff where it needs to be stiff, but like particularly in the back. Uh, this belt, this is not a belt that's designed for small back carry because it's not stiff in the back. Uh, but I'm not an advocate of small back carry anyway, so that's not a concern for me. Uh, and, and it's one I don't really recommend, but if it, but if that's your choice, you, you carry small back, then foundation belt's not for you. But if you carry anywhere else, then it is a good belt to look at. And what I appreciate is that right there in the back, it, uh, instead of me trying to fit my, you know, all, our bodies are shaped like an oval. Okay. And, and really like, they're more like a jelly bean because they're more round across the front, but they're flatter across the back. Right. And so when we take a very stiff gun belt, that's more, that wants to be a circle and at best wants to be an oval. And then you try to squish your jelly bean, you know, profile into that. It doesn't work quite as well. And it creates some Mm, subtle pinching in parts and places of the body where that belt is not working so well with the shape. And so the foundation belt allows it to go a little flatter across the back, but it works everywhere else really well. So that, that's the whole point of that. So having a good quality, and I'm making a big deal out of it because it is a sponsor of the podcast today. <clears throat> nice little plug for the product there. But uh, you know, having a good quality belt that's designed for carrying gun, which means it has some added stiffness to it, some added layers, some stitching and things like that. So that's that's the idea uh, for, for a quality belt. And that will help prevent sag, which will help prevent the pull-up. Now, at this juncture, I'm going to uh, just mention one of my pro tips. And the pro tip is when you're out and about in public and you recognize that you really need to make an adjustment of some sort, uh, excuse me, the safest, the best thing to do, uh, just got kind of a frog in my throat there. The the safest thing to do is to, to find, if you can, a private restroom. All right. And a lot of places these days have them. If it has a family restroom, for instance, that's perfect. Now, you might get some odd looks sometimes when you're the, you're the lone man walking in and out of the family bathroom. But I don't care, you know, where it comes to I'm going to take advantage of that. And the reason why I prefer the family bathroom or a private bathroom like that is because there's there's no risk that, you know, I can go in there and be completely private and make the adjustments I need to. I can, you know, take my shirt off if I, if I want to. Not a big deal. I'm not going to draw a lot of attention to myself. Now, second best would be to go into a stall in a, in a you know, multi-stall uh, restroom. But that's, that's the pro tip, you know. That's the 
safest. Now, be careful. I, that doesn't mean I take my gun out of the holster or do anything like that. When, you, when I'm out and about, when I'm in public, gun stays in holster at all times, period. There's no and, ifs, or buts about that because that is a safety thing. Uh, you will never have a negligent discharge in a public place if the gun just stays in the holster, but yet we still discover stories fairly regularly where this sort of thing happens, and it's because somebody pulls the gun out of the holster. So leave in the holster, find a place that's where it's appropriate, make the adjustments you need where you have privacy, and then you get back to doing whatever it was you're doing. That's the pro tip. Nothing to add. Item number six. Number six move that gives away your gun is the touch. The touch. This what tends a, to be much more common among newer carriers who are not yet used to having that gun on them. And it's sort of this idea of just checking, like, is my gun still there? Oh, yep, it's there. Yep. It, it, it is, I've even seen experienced carriers. Uh, and I even have, it's, you know, been a while, but I, I used to catch myself doing this from time to time as well. Uh, the goal now for me is to just, for the most part, I almost forget the guns there. And for the most part, I do with a good quality holster that's set up right way and is comfortable. I, I, I'm not worried about that gun. It's not moving and I know where it is and I, I leave it be. But the touch is a risky, risky move uh, because it is one of those things where it, it's a repetitive motion and that's what will draw the attention right, is when some, you know, one time or like you bump into it or whatever, uh, that is probably not as, as big a deal, but it's, I've I've seen concealed carriers where it's sort of like, wow, like, you know, my gun, my gun, you know, like, I don't know what it is. It's a fascination with the gun. So, you know, if you are wondering, I'll just give you another little tip on this. If you're, if you're kind of like, hey, is my gun still secure? Now, there's no excuse for it not to be, but having carried a gun for a long time, and also having used some lesser quality holsters, or at least less well-designed holsters, I have had guns shift on me. I've had guns come up a little bit out of the holster. That is not cool. And if you have a holster that has, number one, get a quality holster to begin with. Number two, if you're like, no, this one's fine. This one works for me. Okay, be careful with that. But the day you have any sort of problem whatsoever with that holster, Toss it away. Get something else to replace it. And I, I was in that same boat once upon a time with, I'm not going to mention the brand, with a hybrid holster, and my gun came up out of the holster slightly. Not cool. And that's when I I ditched that thing and, and, and came up with a much better plan. Now, so what happened there, though, is I felt something was out of balance, and I actually ended up reaching and feeling it and realizing something is out of place. I need to take care of this. One way we can make some of those touching things, if you, for whatever reason, feel that is necessary or you need to check on things, is if it's on your waist or whatever, you can actually use the inner side of your arm, okay? And it's just sort of as part of a natural movement, even as you're reaching for your back pocket or as you're reaching into your front pocket or as you're doing something else, you can use the arm, the inner side of your arm to make that little check, for whatever reason, if, if that's necessary, okay? That would be the tip. As opposed to bringing the hand up and touching, find more concealed ways of doing that. Yeah, that was going to be my tip as well. You know, maybe oh, if I carry an appendix and I want to check on the gun, you know, maybe check my keys in my pocket. You know, it's not doesn't look weird to reach into my pocket. 
you know, yep. or reach my back pocket and grab my wallet and check it and put my wallet back. I mean, if you do that a ton, it's going to start to look weird, but, but it's, it's a lot less awkward than like just put my hand on my, on my, on my back at five o'clock. Like, Oh, okay. Tap, tap. Yep. Okay. We're still there. Yep. Absolutely. So again, this shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't be something you have to do. You shouldn't really need to touch the gun. Goes in the holster. Stays. It should stay in the holster. The holster should stay clipped or attached to your belt line. Shouldn't have to worry about it. All right. So, but anyway, be beware of the touch. And again, we recognize the fact, as you touched on earlier, Jacob, that when carrying a gun for the first time and you're new to it, it is different and it is an adjustment. And uh, for me personally, going, you know, re- remembering back to what that was like for me was uh, I was hyper vigilant and aware of like me. I felt like everybody was watching me because I felt like I had this like growth, this strange growth, you know, attached to me somewhere. Like this thing was projecting out from my body and that everybody was going to see it and be aware of it. And the reality is, uh, I don't know that, you know, well, the reality is not everybody was looking at me and not everybody was aware that I had a gun. That's the reality. I do think I've made mistakes in my concealed carry journey uh, where I have probably printed or, or had guns become exposed and maybe didn't even realize it at the time. And maybe somebody else did notice, but fortunately it was a non-issue. And that probably is true a lot of times. But as we touched on earlier, it can be an issue depending on where you are, depending who you're around, depending on the jurisdiction you're in. So that's why we advise caution. So beware of the touch. Uh, get used to it. And, uh, you know, we've recommended before that in the beginning, practice carrying concealed around your home first before you go out in public. And get used to it around in a, in a safe, secure environment like your own home or apartment. And then that will give you a little bit greater confidence when you go out in public for the first time carrying a gun. What's the last one, Jacob? The last one is the side hug. And, yeah, we call it any kind of hug, but <laughs> I, th- I think there's a tendency, right, uh, to to sometimes the way you hug someone exposes the gun. Like they feel the gun. Like the, a physical embrace of some time with somebody can expose the gun. Now, uh, probably the majority of the people in your life that you would hug probably know you have a gun, and so it's not a big deal. The But that said... Sometimes it is a big deal. Sometimes you do embrace that person you haven't seen in a long time or whatever it might be. And uh, that stiff thing in your belt, that's awkward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing I've learned to do and, and, uh, you know, one of the, it's those situations like maybe you're at church or something, you know, and you're like, well, you know, I don't necessarily want people to know I'm carrying or, or whatnot. And, uh, uh, but you're in an environment where maybe hugging is more of a cultural, you know, an acceptable norm. Uh, so, you know, kind of learning how to master that uh, that side hug, or at least a hug in a manner where it doesn't bring that gun into play. That's the key. Uh, so that can be one of the moves that uh, gives away the gun. And uh, that's one I've been very cautious about for a long time. Uh, I have definitely... I've definitely given or received hugs where in, in, in one thing to watch for, and this, this is the tricky part is when the other person goes to bring, say an arm down, you know, like if you, if you gave a hug, 
even like a bro hug, and the arm is like over the shoulder or something. But watch as that comes down, and it'll sometimes bump into the gun. And uh, so, you know, even a timing your movement as you step away, if you a, a kind of a, a blade your the side that your gun is on as you kind of pull back and step away, the timing of that can be really key. I have learned from mm-hmm. experience. And just some general angle things. And, and obviously, it's going to vary a little bit based on where you carry, right? If you carry appendix, you're going to have to tweak your hugging different than a person who carries strong side or you know, traditional IWB four or five o'clock. Yep. That's the seven telltale moves that give away your gun. It's a pretty good list. Yeah, that was fun. I like it. Hopefully, you all liked it as well. Like, comment, subscribe the podcast and to our other content on concealedcarry.com and our various social media channels uh, like Facebook. You know, pretty much anywhere you go, you can do at Concealed Carry Inc. That's going to work for Facebook. It's going to work for, uh, I think, Instagram. Does not work for Twitter because for whatever reason on Twitter, we're still at USA Firearm or something. USA Firearms, correct. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, anyway, like, subscribe, follow us, guys, uh, and make sure you're you know, you, you don't miss an episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Uh, we're passionate about what we do here and and still are after 411 episodes of pure awesomeness. <laughs> hey, uh, today's episode was sponsored by CCW Safe. CCWSafe.com is the place and CC Podcast is the coupon code to save 10% off a membership of CCW Safe. Highly recommend it. All right. It, it is, I go to sleep Nice and easy at night, Jacob, knowing that if the day comes, I need to use my gun in self-defense. You know, I've prepared myself physically. I've prepared myself in terms of my shooting ability as best as I can, and I'm continually trying to get better. I've prepared myself with my legal knowledge, and that's also something I continue to try to get better at, right? But there's still stuff that can go wrong, even when you do your best to do everything right, and CCW Safe is that extra added layer protection that makes me rest easy at night. Absolutely. And our other sponsor, Foundation Belt. The Foundation Belt, which has gotten lots of love. Yeah. And I see that we actually received an order from someone who's here live right now while we've been recording. Woohoo. So thank you for your order. The Foundation Belt is a, and we sell a lot of belts, by the way, to be clear. Like it's not like it's the only belt we sell. It's just the one we really, really, really like. And it is new, uh, newly available on silkcarry.com. And it's, it's just genius. Like, it does something that no other belt does. <laughs> like it, it, there, there's something that is unique only to the foundation belt, and that is how cleverly it is designed and that it is not equally stiff all the way around. It actually conforms to the normal shape of humans. Yeah, that kind of matters. So go check it out. What's the short URL, URL for that, uh, Riley? Concealedcarry.com forward slash foundation. There you go. Yep. Pretty simple and straightforward. Yep. Now it brings us to almost the close of another great episode, but we got to pick a winner of the weekly podcast giveaway. And by the way, you can sign up each week by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And if you're not doing that on a weekly basis, then you're sorely missing out. This month or this week's winner is going to get a month free of Laser X. That's a software, and I'm a big fan of, and we use that in our Shooter Ready Challenge. Uh, I get to play around with Laser X and practice and, and work on my shooting skill, and I'll tell you, 
doing dry fire practice with tools like LaserX has made a difference for me as a shooter. And uh, I, I, I attribute a lot of my skill, uh, current level skill, t- to doing dry fire practice like that. So uh, super excited giveaway to one lucky winner, one month of Laser X. Next week's giveaway, by the way, is for a set of Takos uh, uh, trading cards. Uh, these are little playing card. It's a pay- playing card deck that each card has a drill on it. And there's dry fire drills. There's live fire drills. There's there's there's, there's all. It, it's it's really an awesome little training deck of cards from our boy Jeff Gonzalez, former Navy SEAL. <laughs> I say our. He's been on the podcast like three times. Uh, we should probably get Jeff on again. I, you know, I, I always enjoy talking with him. Uh, Jeff is a uh, you know. He's an amazing instructor. Uh, really, uh, I mentioned him actually earlier in the show talking about concealed carry uh, stuff and, and the instructor program I went through with him uh, last year, in fact. And I learned a lot. You know, and I'm I'm the, I'm one of the guys here at concealedcarry.com. And I learned a lot from him. Well, Jeff developed the Takos training cards, and I really enjoy the cards. They give me they give me ideas sometimes for drills to try. So, one lucky winner. Signing up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize will be drawn next week for the Takeo uh, training cards. So today, though, who is our winner? I've got them pulled up here with a drum roll, Jacob. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not too bad. I was helping along, though. with a- I'm getting practice, I guess. <laughs> Matt S. Matt S is the winner. All right, Matt, you'll be contacted via email, and uh, we'll we'll notify you and and get this. It, it'll be a license key, I think, is actually what we'll give you that you'll be able to use to redeem your one month free of Laser X, and hopefully that you find uh, that helpful. So, congratulations to Matt S, and congrats to all of you for being here and viewing or listening to our podcast with us today. We we do appreciate you all. So, with that. We'll let you go with train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.